All right, check one, check two. This is it. Welcome to the Cannabis Coffee Hour. With your host, me, Rob Cantrell. Oh man, I got an exciting episode, a great episode. We're gonna talk with a very talented, good friend of mine. He actually did the logo, this brand new dope ass uh, a grasshopper logo. But he's also a comedian, illustrator, artist. Um, he was an author of this crazy book that was super popular, funny as hilarious, uh, Die Hard Christmas. He was on American Got Talent. And he's an author, he's a writer. He just came out with his own book, words and all, no pictures on this one. Uh, and it's called This Might Hurt. Please give it up for Mr. Doogie Horner. Thank you, thank you, Rob. It's great to be here on the Cannabis Coffee Hour Podcast. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Doogie, I'm so excited uh, to have you. You know, I like to talk morning rituals. Uh -huh. uh, do you drink coffee? Some people don't, doesn't matter. I'm drinking some coffee right now. I drink coffee, my wife drinks coffee. This morning she woke up kind of late and she almost like, she couldn't get out the door because she didn't have time to drink her coffee before she had to get dressed and find her keys and everything. And she, she was she was struggling because she hadn't had her coffee yet. I know, man, it's a, it is war out there when you wake up with the coffee. Like I do the, I do a French press uh, cold brew, Ooh. but I do it the night before. Always do it the night before. And then mm. I have a jug of it ready to go and right when I walk up. Yeah, ready to roll. We got an ice maker in the joint. So wow. in the refrigerator, not in we're wealthy. <laughs> yeah, not, not we ain't wealthy, but we have an ice maker. Is that wealth? Here's my prediction. You know how ice trays or ice makers <laughs> for a long time, we were fine with normal ice cubes. And then at cocktail bars, they came out with those giant ice cubes. And then they came out with the giant round ice cubes. Here's my prediction for the next ice cube fad diamond shaped Ooh la la and i don't think it'd be that hard because it's a variation on a square well i guess square ones would be diamond shaped if you just turn them sideways but i mean like shaped like a diet like a yeah but diamonds a little bit more complex than a square but i get you but i'm i think about ice all day long really oh yeah crushed ice if i was balling out of control I would have a crushed ice maker on its own, like one of the ones you have at the restaurant. Huh. And then you need a plastic cup in order to, these, this is a plastic tumbler. We'll get these made for the cannabis coffee hour, but this is a great plastic tumbler. Uh -huh. I'm not doing, you know, ice coffee does have a lot of uh, trash and plastic in my young twenties in Williamsburg, just crushing those fucking, you know, plastic things, man. You power through three of those. Yeah, killed you know a family of squirrels in in, in about three hours. Uh, so yeah, I, I crushed ice. I love slushies. Um, I just love ice. But my wife doesn't even like ice in her drink. Where are you really? At? Yeah, where do you are at? She likes room temperature water. Yeah, I know. Is she from? She's Russian. She's got England? some England. No, oh. no, no. She's. Got, I, I think it's more about temperature. She's but she also lives off of seltzer water. Like the whole family's on soda stream. Oh, so all we do, all we do is bomb, bang, banging out bubbles all day long. You know, when I was a kid, 
we had a puppy dog and I would always put ice cubes in his water and I thought I was doing him a favor. And then years later, I read that dogs hate cold water. Yeah. So actually, I was torturing him and I feel really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to live with that guilt. Yeah, you gotta uh, you gotta live with that and move on. But you didn't know, and uh, they dogs know. always look hot because they don't have any uh, pores on their skin, so they, they don't, don't sweat. sweat. They don't sweat, yeah. so it all comes out that panting. Yeah, yeah, panting. So uh, we got the sweat glands. We got the funk underneath the arm. Are you doing <laughs> the uh, organic deodorant? Or are you just going straight uh, old school Glide uh, deodorant or Team I, I use organic toothpaste on my armpits actually no <laughs> i use i use real deodorant i tried organic like the tons and it just doesn't work yeah it doesn't really if you're if you have especially during these these super summer months if you got some serious funk like it's uh you're still you're still funking you're still smelling i used to work with a guy back when i was a cook and he only used organic toothpaste, all natural organic toothpaste, all natural organic deodorant. And he told me, he's like, Doogie, you're using regular toothpaste. It's filled with chemicals. It's so bad for you. It's got all these dangerous chemicals in it. But then he would do LSD. Yeah. And I said, what do you think is in LSD? Dangerous chemicals. That's all it is, is, is dangerous chemicals. And he would drink too. I was like, forget the LSD, just drinking. <laughs> is way worse for you you could eat non-organic toothpaste and it would still be better for you than alcohol not i mean i drink alcohol too drink but i also LSD. use regular <laughs> toothpaste you know i mean yeah. uh you, did you i went through a charcoal toothpaste phase i go through phases but now i'm on uh i got some bomb ass toothpaste about your enamel it's all about keeping your enamel. Uh, i got my pro enamel and then a super soft brush I just got a charcoal toothbrush. Oh, those are great. I went through a charcoal toothbrush phase. They, they, they'll really get it off. My teeth are all banged up because when I was a kid, my sister had cancer and I gave her a bone marrow transplant when I was, I was like two or something. So they knocked me out to take my bone marrow. And when they knocked me out, they used something called tetracycline. And this was back in the 80s. And they didn't realize that if you, when you give kids tetracycline, when they grow up, then as an adult, their adult teeth will be stained and you can't do anything about it. So I got these like stains, I got, I got stained teeth and there's the only I thing I could notice it. I don't notice it. You know, who notices it? Kids. Oh uh, yeah. Well, they, yeah, they, my teeth look yellow and because all I do is eat peanut butter and smoke weed and drink coffee. I was hanging out with these kids recently at the park and they were like, you should brush your teeth. <laughs> and, I, and I said, I do brush my teeth. And then I, I told him, I was like, oh, it's a, it's a thing. And then, uh, and then I saw the kids the, uh, a couple of days later at the park and the girl said the same thing to me. She goes, have you been brushing your teeth? And so I was a little mad that time. So I got a little offended. I said, yeah, have you been brushing your teeth? <laughs> and she said yeah and i said really because it looks like they're falling out of your head because <laughs> she was a kid she's losing their teeth she goes they're supposed to do that and i was like i don't know you should talk to your dentist because it looks like i mm, <laughs> oh, <laughs> they rough, might not man. come back i think the playground is so rough dude playground <laughs> so rough doogie uh because you're from philly right philly yes philly 
uh, and uh, we will cut you. They will cut you. And you do have like my brother has a funky name. You must have took a lot of shit growing up with Doogie Horner. Did you take a lot? Did you take people making fun of your name or what did they were making fun of your teeth or were they never making fun of you? Nobody ever made fun of my teeth and they didn't make fun of my name. What I get. Made I never fun noticed of your teeth until you brought it up and you have a beard and I don't really look at dudes mouths that closely. <laughs> there you go. As you're straight. You're like, I don't I, no, uh, look I'm at not. I'm looking, I'm looking at your beautiful <laughs> cheekbones is what I'm looking at. <laughs> no. um, I got made fun of for two different things. One, I was the only kid. So I get up to junior high. That's when the taunting starts. Yeah, junior you know, high comes pretty hard. I had sideburns. I was the only kid who had big sideburns. I like went through puberty early. So I had these huge fucking sideburns. And so people started to call me Elvis. Cool. And I remember I was like, yeah, great. Elvis is great. They're like, no, it's an insult. I was like, oh, shit. Um, and I remember the one day one of the bullies pulled me aside and he goes, look, I like you. You're a nice guy. All you got to do is shave your sideburns off and they'll stop making fun of you. And my respect for the bullies actually went down. Yeah. Because I thought you guys have no integrity. You just, I shave them off and then you stop. I was like, How, you're so shallow. You should hate me. Yeah. And it no. just shouldn't matter what I do. Even if I shave the sideburns off, you're like, no, 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 no. It's you we don't like doesn't matter <laughs> we'll just come up with a new taunt you're not elvis anymore now you're tom jones somebody with outside elvis man that look you had mutton chops as a kid man you look yeah, like you were in a huge. stoner rock band man it was uh, not a popular i don't know why i did it yeah it, that's how you rock it when you're young and then the other thing i got made fun of for but it was weird this was a nickname i only got on the bus at school the bullies would call me elvis but on the bus I was wearing skids. Do you remember skids? Hmm. They were these huge pants. They were like MC Hammer pants, but they came in all these crazy patterns and they were popular for a while. And then like five years later, I discovered them and started wearing them when nobody else was wearing them anymore. And I thought they were great. And then one day I got on the bus and somebody yelled at me. They're like, yo, Chuckles the Clown <laughs> from In Living Color. These are all references nobody will get. Yes, no, no, old. no. Homie the Clown. Oh, that's right. It was homie. Well, they called me the clown. I know all those sketches. I was that kid yelling at you. <laughs> no, just kidding. And so then they called me Chuckles, and then they called me Chuck. And so oh, the wow. people on my bus called me Chuck. The bullies called me Elvis. My friends called me Doogie. My mom was so upset. She was like, "Doesn't anybody? <laughs> what is? <laughs> I have many. I have many names. You got many names. Yeah, man. Uh... Some call me the Space Cowboy." Some call me the gangster love. Uh, some people call me Maurice. I was called Cookie Head in high school. <laughs> Cookie Head? Yeah, 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 yeah. Why? Because I love the movie Hollywood Shuffle. And there's a scene there about this breakdancer. And the sketch is called Death of a Breakdancer. And the breakdancer's name was Cookie Head. <laughs> and so I would just recite all of the movie. I loved sketch I love that film. I love 48 Hour. I I, I was kind of into film comedy, I guess. Huh. I liked Spike Lee, like kind of that independent wave mixed with some SNL mixed with early hip hop is kind of like, 
I would say a lot of the genesis of uh, my comedy and music and all the shit I do. You must like. Have you ever seen Hollywood Shuffle? No, I've never even heard of it. What is it? What? Hollywood Shuffle was by Robert Townsend, who went on to direct The Five Heartbeats. He was also in the film Soldier Story, but it was a black uh, independent film that was made with Keenan Ivory Rayans, like all most of the guys from some of the guys from Living Color and a lot of actors in the late 80s, I would say. And uh, yeah, it, it was a, like a blockbuster kind of uh, cult classic. Hollywood Shuffle. Hollywood Shuffle. I don't know if it still holds up. It still has a lot of sketches. Like I would say it's like pre even like pre Chris Rock show. Like it's really early. Like, uh, yeah, it was like it was really hip like comedy hmm. uh, right. at the time. Uh, but it really hip hop based or a little bit urban. But Robert Townsend has like kind of a theater background and a stand up mm -hmm. background. So it's a little bit higher end in terms mm. of uh, its humor and sketches and how it's filmed and shit. It's a great flick. Well, I'll check it out and I'll add it to my list. The next thing I got to watch is Murder by the Book, the very first Columbo, the Columbo pilot. Oh, wow. Never saw That's that what the television show is based on, is Murder by the Book or? Well, that was just oh, the first just episode. The oh, okay. Just the pilot. It was directed by Steven Spielberg, young Spielberg. Oh, that is cool. And I'm a big Columbo fan, so but I never saw that epi. So no. And then after that, Hollywood Shuffle. I saw the Columbo with Johnny Cash. That was the one I really. Oh yeah. Liked. That's a two-part one. Um, if anybody wants to dig in, I'm not a huge Columbo fan. The pacing's a little slow. <laughs> yeah. I love the I name. Mean, the for modern audiences. Yeah, for modern it's audiences, it's uh, it, but his character acting is like top notch. <laughs> Just, just get the, high and watch it. Yeah, that's a good way of doing it. Because uh, he has the notepad and, you know, he's just, but he, was he a real police? He was a real police officer, wasn't he? In the show? Yeah. Yeah, he's a detective. He's not like a vigilante or. I kind of, this whole 80s private detective thing, like Magnum PI, but I was thinking about it. I was, you know, what is it? detective like it's just a hired dick you know it's just like you hired some creep to creep out on somebody man like they're not even official they're not even cops they're not even security guards dude they're just randos that are just creeping through your shit i had a friend that was a pi and he said it's not very glamorous he said mostly you just follow people and he's like it's most he said most of the people he that hired him they just want to know if their spouse was cheating. Yeah, yeah. It's mostly just like creepo. Yeah. Just follow uh, people. Creepo, but divorces, insurance fraud. You don't need a guy like that until you need a guy like that. Then you really, you need a guy like that. <laughs> then you need a guy like that. And that's why those guys are around. <laughs> uh, how, tell me about the, uh, the uh, Die Hard Christmas book. That was a, like... Kind of, would you say if you're playing the Doogie Horner hits, mm -hmm. uh, things that you're kind of known for creatively was, you know, mainstream would be American Got Talent. Mm -hmm. And then, but you also was a graphic artist, an artist, and, and then you sold this book. How did you get, how did this all come about? The uh, Die Hard Christmas, and was it a graphic novel or a coloring book? Well, I always worked in publishing. I went to art school. 
and I wanted I always wanted to do book design because I like books. In Philly, isn't there a Philly art design school or something? Yeah, Tyler School of Art. Yes, is that where you went? Part of Temple. It's in North Philly. Yep. 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 I got very that. Nice, very nice school. Liked it a lot. Yep. And then uh, I got into publishing. Well, first I I couldn't get into publishing at first. There are only two publishers in Philadelphia that do like creative, that do fiction and stuff like that. And so I couldn't get in at first. So my first job out of art school was designing toy packaging for Mattel toys. Cool. And then I worked at Running Press and then I worked at Quirk, which were two different publishers in Philly. And I designed a bunch of covers. I, I did Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. And I did Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children and a bunch of other stuff. And then I was doing stand-up at the same time. I started doing stand-up and asked that, yeah. This an editor asked me to pitch a book about stand-up. Hmm. And so I did this book about stand-up and it had all these different charts in it and different drawings and graphics and things. Yeah. Are you hearing that? I'm sorry. My phone's connected to my computer. I'm sorry for that, everybody. That was a rando robot call. And uh, go ahead. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. You were writing a book about stand-up. You were doing uh, diagrams. Oh, there they go again. They're back. They're back. Uh, I, I shut my phone off. I'm so sorry, Doogie. This is un not as professional as I would like. So unprofessional. I never know what I expect from a podcast about marijuana. Uh, I hate my phone and my thumb is starting to hurt because of scrolling and touching it. I just threw it across the room. I hate got, my phone. You got scroll thumb. I got scroll thumb. It's all jacked up. Like it just like when I, I'm like, what the fuck is this? I just want, I'm, I'm ready to let, leave it all behind and just should, zoom out with you right now. You should go to the hospital for your scroll thumb and they'll be like, uh, Every, all the beds are filled with COVID patients and you're like, well, this is more serious. I'm sorry. I got a big video to post tomorrow and I'm going to be scrolling like a I, motherfucker, I man. This muscle right here, is, this ligament is. But it really does. It's where it's the attachment. I know something. I know my body and I've been listening to myself more. And I was like, uh, this is, I need to just not use the phone for a week. I just got a watch. Well, I have tons of watches, but I actually I watch. Yeah, everybody. I'm always behind. I never got the ear pod things, but everybody loves the watch because you can leave your phone at home and still get calls like, oh, grandma died. You could still get that call. Oh, I don't mean the iWatch. I mean, like watch watches like hold oh, on. Cool. Um, you're into watches. I got a bunch of watches here. I have a bunch of swatches. This is a, if you could see that one. Oh yeah, classic 80s swatch. Classic 80s clear band. Social club, let's rock it. Got this one. Ooh, caution sign. Caution, I got, this one's kind of interesting. Numbers on the. Yeah, that's kind of European. This is the 80s right there. Boom. Look at that bitch. Oh, I got a shirt just like that color. That's a great purple in uh, pattern, man. I got this one. It's a super skinny one. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Right there. But anyway, so 
barely there. So I started uh, wearing a watch again. Is it? Anyways, I have tons of watches. I used to collect swatches. I started wearing a watch again because I stopped wearing a watch. We all stopped wearing watches because we got our phone. You just look at the time on your phone. But a watch is better than a phone because I've never looked at, has this ever happened to you? You look at your watch to see what time it is. And then an hour later, you're still looking at your watch and you can't remember why you looked at it in the first place. That never happens with a watch. And that always happens with my phone. And so that's why I'm wearing a watch again. So there's one less reason for me to pull out my phone and get totally distracted by Instagram or whatever. I know it drags you right in, but yeah, man, uh, that's hilarious. Uh, it drags you right in and yeah, go back to all the classic things, man. I use a guitar. Uh, I've, I'm doing a coloring book. I got this adult coloring book that with all these Sharpies, that's what I did just to get off devices and whatnot, but yeah. please like, and subscribe to this podcast right yeah. now and enjoy Spotify. Please pump it up in iTunes. I get more listens on iTunes. So uh, remember to like, and subscribe. But Doogie, these watches, this art, what's your, and, and, and that's how you got into comedy. I want to get back into that because that was a funny oh. origin story. Um, so you were a serious, you were making serious rent, doing art, which is kind of like when you go to art school and then you get like a legit job, those jobs have like insurance and shit. Like that's a good, strong leap for a young man. And to then venture into stand-up comedy at the same time uh, must have been kind of odd. Well, I always just did stand-up for fun. And especially in Philly, um, and when I started, there was no, nobody was like professional about, like all the comedians were weird old dudes that were telling crazy ass jokes. Just, you know, there was, it wasn't like today where it was, it's a more, um, established or accepted like career and i think <clears throat> people have more of an idea of how to do it and then like they do it kind of have it to lead to another thing you know you're like i want to write i want to act or i want to be a professional but at that time in philly everybody was doing stand-up was just like this is it i just <laughs> like i tell crazy ass jokes at the vfw i do beef and beers you know there was no uh, nobody wanted to do it so I, would, I just did it for fun for, for most of my life at, at the same time that I was also an art director or making art or making books or making charts. For a long time, I made these crazy... Oh, yeah, so what happened was they asked me to do a book about stand-up, then they didn't buy it, but they felt bad. The editor felt bad. He's like, you put all this work into it. Let me hook you up with an agent. He'll try to sell it to someone else. So he hooked me up with this literary agent who used to be who at the time was donnie brasco's agent you know donnie brasco yeah i do <clears throat> the mob informant yeah man the movie this, is one of the best yeah this dude was the agent for donnie brasco joey bananas oh yeah the, the mob boss that killed all these people you know and so he, really called me, he calls me up and he said uh yeah so i hear you got this book and uh i looked over it's pretty good and uh yeah i think uh I'm going to sell it. Or I think he was like, I want to be your agent. And I said, okay, well, let me think about it. And there was this deadly silence on the other end. Wow. 
and he says, what the fuck is there to think about? <laughs> I said, oh, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I'm about to hand you a check is what he was saying to yeah. you. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, when agents in book, yeah, the book world, I'm getting my head around it, but you're talking like it's just normal, but it is an idea. And if you have the idea to the, it's the same thing with movies and TV, but if it goes, if the idea is good and it goes through the right channels, there's a check at the end of it, you know, especially if it's, you know, if they buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then he tried to sell it. Nobody wanted it. But yeah. Harper Collins said, they said, we don't like the comedy book, but we like the chart you did. And I did this chart called the universal comedy flow chart. Cause I noticed like most comedians, our jokes are all about certain similar subjects. And so I made this big chart about all the subjects and they said, can you do a book that's just all charts? And so I worked up a sample of what a book like that would be like, and, and they liked that and they bought it. So that was my first book that I did, which was everything explained through flowcharts. I don't have it on the shelf. Oh, that's right awesome. Now. I love a great flowchart. Uh, so that was my first book. And I did tons of charts for a while there. I did charts for like, how old were you? Wired and Playboy and Fast Company and all these different oh, that's um, awesome. Sweeney's. I was... I don't know. 28? Yeah, maybe 20s. And you got a book deal. You got a legitimate book deal. Like mom and dad, I just sold a book that people could buy. It's amazing. <laughs> That's not that amazing. I know. I know. Uh, I don't know. It, 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 I think it, I know. I, I get it. It, it. There's like self, you know, it's like music. You could self, uh, you could self uh, publish. And then there's other layers levels of independent public publishing houses and then mm -hmm. the big dogs the big uh, dogs the big dogs where you could buy a house oh up, wow you could buy a house by the beach or something well i've never bought a house by the beach with any of my publishing money but i i have <laughs> dude this next, living. let's talk about this might hurt a bit uh this is all yeah. words because you went like your graphic design artist, I, I'm sure everybody's listening to this is amazing. I love charts. I think and this might hurt. There it is, a beautiful cover. Is this the first full wordy word book? Oh, wow. That I wrote? Yeah. So that, oh, you asked about, A Die Hard Christmas was like a kid's book, but it was not a kid. It's like a fake kid's book. It's like a kid's book version of Die Hard. I remember then, seeing it everywhere at like hipster bookster. Like it's, it definitely hit. It was uh, big. It was big in like Brooklyn or like if you went to independent bookstore, it was definitely out like on one of the top main things near the register. Yeah. When it came out, it was number one on Amazon. I felt bad. It bumped Hillary's book. Holy shit, dude. Yeah, I had called no idea. What happens? And I felt like she was talking about the Amazon list because you look at it, it was like, my book then dog man <laughs> then what happened and i was like that's a good question hillary what did happen was this before donald or after i think it was after yeah what happens was the title of okay this is i lost the race and i'm writing about this i don't know i don't yeah. know her books I, that well i think I'm, so i did vote for her but I'm, this is not a political podcast It'd be funny if her next book was a cookbook. Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> um, so yeah, oh yeah, so this might hurt a bit. Yeah, so I did a bunch of books. 
I did 100 ghosts. I did some very interesting cats. I did a bunch of books that were like drawings, like funny drawings and stuff. But I always wanted to write a novel because I love novels. And Dude. I've tried lots of times over the years and I could just never write well. I could just never make it happen. And I don't know what, I just kept trying. And I finally, with that book, like something clicked. I finally figured out how to write. I don't know why, but- Did um, you have an editor working through it with you? Uh, not initially. I mean, I wrote it and then um, my agent gave me some notes and then the editor gave me some notes. But I mean, most of the real work was done just by myself yeah before yeah pushing it through. before that yeah um but did you push it through in the pandemic or before the pandemic this was before the pandemic this is when we were in sunnyside um i forget how many years ago this when did this book come out it was a couple of years ago it was before oh, the pandemic I, yeah, yeah i remember because doogie and i uh performed a lot with doug benson and he would always book us on his uh doug loves movies podcast 12 guests of christmas so oh guests 12 guests that we both won i believe um, i don't know if i've ever uh, there's no way i won the 12 guests oh one year i won did you, you? yeah how i bet seth herzog <laughs> i don't know wow i am a lucky man i will say i do get lucky sometimes not all the time because I, you know my movie trivia is just not there it's, it's just weak. Not, it's not how my brain works no yeah uh, i know i know all uh, the questions were about hollywood I, shuffle that's yeah, how you did it i know i know a few movies i know beat street i know hollywood shuffle <laughs> i know fast times at richmond high i know uh animal house i know all caddyshack i can go on and on and then a lot of documentaries about graffiti and uh you know the important films all the important some surf movies uh i knew a filmmaker from mavericks shout out my man what is it? Uh, big toe in surfing he gave me a bunch of his videotapes they were like surf movies they were amazing huh. you ever watch surfing like big wave surfing only one time we had a a party and we projected endless summer on the wall the movie we projected it real big it was like a summer we did like a summer party oh that sounds awesome i also have this ice cream in my freezer called endless summer and i bought it three years ago and it's raspberry sorbet with basil and lime and it sounds delicious but i took a bite and the basil tastes like lawn clippings it tastes like grass and so it's disgusting and so it's been in our freezer for three years and the joke is that it, it really is endless summer because it will never get eaten because it's gross it's pretty gross yeah it man. truly is it's the one eternal thing i'm out there to... you know i'll get i'll put salt on my chocolate and all that but Ooh, yeah basil into uh ice cream that's a bold one i mean you're really rolling the dice with that because and i'm a basil lover like I will eat that basil leaf right off the pizza. Like, yeah, yeah. Put I, it in pizza. Put yeah. it in spaghetti. Don't yeah, put yeah. it in ice cream. All these fancy new ice cream places. Ooh, I, I go there. I can't get anything. 
I'm like, do you have chocolate? They're like, oh yeah, we have jalapeno chocolate. No, I said chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> do you have vanilla? Yeah, we got rosemary, vanilla. <clears throat> well, that's not vanilla. Keep the spice rack out of my Sunday. Uh, yeah, minimalist. I'm going for it these days. Lately, I've been doing. You know, you know, I'll do a bri- I'll do one of those uh, Ben and Jerry's all day long. But I've sure. been going Briars. Vanilla bean ice cream and Hershey's chocolate syrup. There you go. One scoop, then dump it with a ton of chocolate on top. It melts. You get that good goo goo. Uh, Yeah, that's that. I bet I've been going more minimalist with a lot of my stuff. Mm. Last night, what did I I I killed it with some uh, Brussels sprouts and just pan fried chicken. And I put the chicken, chicken breasts in like a skillet and then into the oven with a dry rub. And uh, I did that for 45 minutes along with the Brussels sprouts that were just, you know, Brussels sprouts. You just got to burn the living shit out of them. That's how you cook those things. You know? Yeah. I'll give you a good, simple recipe. Uh, you take a cauliflower, had a cauliflower, mm-hmm. chop it, chop it up like a loaf of bread. Feeling it. Oil, oil it. Yep. Yep. Put it Avocado in a- oil ton of uh garlic chop up a ton of garlic and then you know you just bake it at 325 for about 40 minutes 30 minutes flip it halfway put a little lemon juice on there and then a bunch of uh, parmesan cheese bamo it's good almost it tastes almost like cheddar fries the thing about uh cauliflower when it gets that brown when you toast it Oh yeah. Almost that almost taste. It's almost French fries. Yeah. Can we all agree? French fries is at the top of the food chain. (laughs) Like you're not going to be just a McDonald's French fry, a simple McDonald's. I hate McDonald's. And last time, even the last few times, I just can't even do it at small doses. Sometimes, sometimes you got to do it, but their French fries is just ridiculous. They have really good French fries. Nobody says they doesn't. No, nobody says they doesn't doesn't you're not going to turn one down if you had like that red carton but it is disgusting i've been going through a potato phase i have been baking my own potatoes what was the last thing you did with a potato threw it out the fucking window <laughs> did it start like growing yeah um, it instantly it started like, getting some roots i don't like potatoes sorry potatoes man you throw you dookie you always do throw a curveball when I, you always do something that I don't expect. And yeah. I, uh, if you don't like potatoes, you don't like potatoes. I don't like potatoes. I dig it, man. I can, uh, do I, I'm not a big carb, carb guy. The only carb I really eat is uh, spaghetti or um, I'll I've eat raisins. I've been through penne and then some bow tie pasta lately. Bow tie pasta is like the fancy. I feel like whenever I eat it, I'm like, it's like wearing a bow tie, I feel like. You're about to do an interview with Tucker Carlson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'll eat raisin cinnamon bread if I'm making a green apple and brie sandwich. But other than that, I don't really get many carbs. Raisin cinnamon bread. Yeah. Toasted with butter. That can green. go up a few notches. Green apple. Oh, green apple. Yeah. I just had a honey crisp right before the interview and it tasted so delicious that I forgot to chew and I swallowed a big <laughs> hunk of it. And uh, and then I was like, man, I really got to slow down. Like I was I rushing to do the podcast. I had to move my car. So I had a bunch of things going on. And then I was like, I was and it, it was tasting good, you know, and a good apple, like around 1030 and apple and peanut butter like that just hits the spot. 
you need to get a tattoo you know how like some actresses they'll get like breathe tattooed on their wrist or whatever you gotta get chew tattooed (laughs) on your wrist i have had problems yeah chips have gotten me a few times i've swallowed some really sharp tortilla chips before oh not a good thing i caught some salmon uh i caught some salmon bones salmon rarely has bones but i had a i had a piece of salmon and then i caught them you ever eaten fish and you didn't you didn't know about fish bones and then you just got wrecked i don't eat fish i have a mild allergy oh wow i'm allergic to a lot of stuff that's cool fish is one fish but not coffee i'm not allergic to coffee and i actually brought i thought you might ask what i'm drinking these days oh wegmans it's not it's not very good we just moved to a new neighborhood and i got a they got different coffees here and so this is i'm trying the wegmans and then i also and then i also i got some of this i got some cafe du monde oh that's nice is that oh nice i always like that those are both good those are both ground right yeah going ground i'm not not, i'm not much of a snob i don't i don't need to like grind my beans or i don't do the french press i just do a regular old drip but i tell you something what's that coffee mate like a coffee maker just a coffee mate yeah mr coffee roll yeah nothing wrong Uh, with that 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 hits the spot um but i just started doing something i never did before i started measuring yeah you know how on your coffee they say this is how much coffee for this much water i never i'm like i'm not gonna i just always winged it and i finally said you know what i'm gonna try to use the amount of coffee they say you're supposed to use and guess what you're not going to believe this it tastes better that way (laughs) yep and it's ruined my life though because i'm like now now i have to start following the instructions on everything my whole life i've never followed the instructions and here we have proof that i should have been yep the answer is always right in front of your face doogie I'm a big instruction reader out loud. Like I have to read them. I read them slow and I read them out loud. I put them, everything comes from my mom. So it's a very nervous, uh, thorough lady. And she would just, you know, anything that I had, I have to lay it out because I don't have the attention span and I have to spell it out really simple. But sometimes I wing it with coffee. I, I can definitely go with feel. Uh, oh, okay. If I had grounds, I could figure out, but I know what you're saying. You should measure it out. I usually go a little bit stronger. So with a coffee mate, I'm not going to go to the way, way top. I'm going to go to what you think is normal and then two more scoops. Hmm. And that make gives it maybe a little extra kick that I might enjoy. Um, Turns out this whole time I've been making it too strong. Yeah. Sometimes that, and, and it can throw off your morning. I read they some coffee company went and did a survey of people and they asked them, how do you like your coffee? Describe good coffee. And everybody said dark, bold, rich. But then when they actually give people coffee, they don't like the dark, bold, rich coffee. They actually like the light or the medium coffee. Yeah. Nobody actually likes the average person actually does not like dark coffee. But that's the word they eating a lot of different stuff. Yeah. And a lot of it, you just want that caffeine. So maybe that just symbolizes a kick in the morning. You know, you're looking for a little bit. I mean, a lot of it with coffee 
But I think once you start getting older, you need the kick, you know, and it's a healthy kick because they drink it in old folks homes. People drink coffee forever. Yeah, I don't think it's that unhealthy, is it? I think if it, it can fry your nerves if you drink too much. And some people have, you know, everybody's built different. So, yeah, I got a friend that can drink coffee right before bed. She's got no problem. Yeah, I, I've been in that zone. It matters how much I'm drinking. The older I get, the more sensitive I get to everything. So yep. I know my limits, but I do do the cannabis coffee hour. And I, you know, I like herbs. So it kind of balances that whole thing out. And I go out at night and I don't drink alcohol. So it kind of. For me and my chemistry, it just kind of makes sense. Where are you with herb? Are you a fan of it? I, you're not a huge heavy smoker. I don't know. All those Doug Benson shows, I, yeah, sometimes, but maybe not that much. I've only ever smoked weed, I think, four times in my life, three or four times. Um, I think twice on Doug Loves Movies. <laughs> uh, and then once with Trey Gallion. And then uh, once with my friend Nick and once or twice with Nick. And like, that's about it. I've only, so I've only smoked maybe four or five times in my whole life. Yeah. It's just not something that's on your radar. I just never, you know, I started drinking late and uh, I got a good amount of drinking in in my 20s. And uh, I just never explored. I've never done any drugs other than I smoked a couple of times and then I've been drugged twice that's not fun what happened Um, there the one time i was on the road performing at a club and somebody drugged me and the headliner and then the other time i was at a party at twitter or facebook or something at their headquarters in uh brooklyn and uh i don't know somebody drugged me anyways weird yeah 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 booze is weird and bartenders yeah i've yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But do you drink wine now? Like at the end of the night? Is that a splurge? I guess what's do you have a vice at all? Is coffee your vice? I have a vice. I drink alcohol. I like alcohol. I don't yeah, drink that's wine. All right. it makes wine and I do. Yeah, you do have a stiff drink now and then. Do you drink bourbon? I like to drink. I like, uh, yeah, whiskey on the rocks. Whiskey. Or, um, or I'll do. Um, yeah whiskey and i'll maybe chase it with a beer yeah um i used to drink a lot of vodka yeah um with uh club soda or stoli orange with club those I are drink for many years was yeah stoli orange with club or uh now tito's is popular so i have a tito's and club but you these have days, a jim beam this- and dark dr pepper no, but uh, That's I, used what to I drink- grew up on man. I drew, I grew up on handles of Jim Beam and Dr. Sounds Pepper good. on a ton of ice. Yeah, it's actually you know as sugary and bourbony and loosey goosey as you want, and it keeps you up. Uh, and it tastes, yeah, it tastes like a, a candy thing, but yeah, booze, yeah, my body. I it just we I started way too early with booze and uh, I ran with car drinkers in college that were doing blow pretty much the whole time and I never did blow so I was keeping up with them you uh-huh. know, drinking you know all night with these cats that Dr Pepper it was all that Dr Pepper so, yeah I just kind of the booze by the time I even got out of college I was done with booze I think by mm-hmm. sophomore year I I started to I started enjoying bong hits and uh, watching movies and and uh, yeah I just oh, I, in college a couch and a VCR on a Saturday 
with a few movies and a bong that was like my favorite thing in the world it's not still it still is I, I, the life moves <laughs> really fast uh and i don't I, I don't own a bong at this time on That's the road once thought. i start doing shows out on the road i like to keep it out on the road like uh i guess with my cannabis if i go decadent it's usually around comedy or something like that, like after the show, instead of boozing hardcore, you know, it's that's how I know Doug and Trey and all these cats so well is, uh, yeah, a lot of the San Francisco comics. Shout out to Dan Gabriel, like hardcore tokers, you know? Yeah, when you're on the road, it's there's not much to do. So I definitely drink, <laughs> drink more on the road. I'm like, well, what else am I going to? Yeah, yeah. It, well, with comedy, the booze is always there. You got the bar and, you know, and, uh, yeah. you know, it's and that's kind of one of the perks is uh, you can have a nice good cocktail. Um, mm -hmm. It'll let the three hours pass by uh, fairly easy. It's such a good gig with comedy. The thing about comedy, it's uh, it's just so hard to keep it, the money coming in. But, you know, it, it does happen. And I, I've seen it happen and it's happening all the time but uh the downtime just you know the booze and stuff is uh if, if that's all you're doing like you're a graphic designer you're selling books you know you're doing uh stand up like even the few years like you were saying you were dipping in and out of it ever since uh, american got talent and now you're starting to fall back in love with like going and performing but we're in the middle of COVID. yeah it's sometimes i'm less in the mood and Sometimes I'm more in the mood, you know, it, it depends on, I don't know if you feel that way. I'm getting that way. Yeah. There was a, you know, because it was the only thing that I had going, you know, there was, you know, years and years of just desperate scratching and crawling. So I got leathered up to the point now where I feel confident. Yeah. Picking and choosing, especially during COVID, like this dude hit me up for two shows in Jersey city on Saturday, last minute. And I was like, with Delta, I turned it down. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. You know, just like, and I knew the crowds were whatever. And it was a weird restaurant gig. You know, it was like, you know, a cash, cash in hand, quick gig. But I do feel honored to be asked to do those. So I don't want to turn those down. And I like doing them now and then. If it wasn't COVID, I would definitely do it. But um, yeah, I'm at a point now where, yeah, I, I'm trying to listen to my body and feel like, do I feel like performing? What's the vibe? What am I going to get out of it? You know, is the crowd going to be cool? You know, you know, I don't have to prove myself in front of something, some bunk ass crowd if I'm not getting paid. When I started out, I would do so many crazy shows, especially in Philadelphia. Yeah, you got to do everything starting out. You know, you really got to get your reps in, you know, that's just the gig. And stage time is brutal in the beginning. I had to pay for stage time a few times and I barked a few times, bombed for years in open mics, you know, before last, I got last comic standing in three and a half years. And then I was like, if I, I'll give myself to 30 and I started at like 26, 27. And then all of a sudden I was on national television and it was the biggest hit of the summer, uh, the very first season. So it was like, it was a real, but there was a, a good year of me just doing open mics and living in a hostel. <laughs> you know i did this show in philly and it was like a fundraiser it was a police fundraiser and i said all right i'll do it like i don't care i'll do whatever and back then i used to perform in a suit and i had this 
gray Brooks Brothers suit and um, I'm at this cop fundraiser. Nobody there is wearing a suit. And um, really I asked him, that's a whole other animal. Yeah, it was a South Philly. It was big. There were a lot of people there. Yeah, Uniontown. Yeah, it's like everybody showed up. And I said, what's it a fundraiser? What's the fundraiser for specifically? And they said, one of our dogs died. And so they gave an in memoriam for this dead police dog, right? They gave a, they had like a projector, projection, projector with a picture of the dog and his owner, his team partner, I don't know what you call him, came out and talked about the dog and how he gave, died in the service and stuff. And then they said, okay, and here's Doogie Horner. <laughs> and I came out and did jokes and I performed in the round. There was no stage. I stood in the middle and they just like made a circle. I performed in the round right after a in memoriam for a dead police dog. And I did a lot of time. I think it was like a half hour or something, which is a lot after you know, in that kind of situation. Yeah, they don't know and you don't know. Like everybody knows, everybody that knows that should be a seven to 10 minute set at tops. <laughs> it shouldn't be anything. It shouldn't be there. Shouldn't even be there. It shouldn't, you're right. It shouldn't even be there. I did an hour inside a bank vault at a Del Frisco's Double Eagle Steakhouse while everybody was eating dinner. Um, I did a lot of- How many laundromats? I got like two or three laundromats, oh. dude. I've never done set. a laundromat. Oh, my second set, uh, brainwash, dude. I did the laundromat. I was the king of the laundromat open mic. Like I became the big dog. Like that's where I worked out. Mr. Spin. Uh, at San Francisco, it was called the brainwash. It was actually a lot cooler than you would think, but uh, they had a coffee shop and it had a little performance and they would have like acoustic night and people would play guitar or people would do uh -huh. weird spoken poetry or whatever, uh -huh. but they had a comedy night. But it was laundry. People, do, there was a whole section of it that was all laundry, and so yeah, people would be doing their laundry while you're doing your second. My second set, I remember, I bombed so bad. My first set, I killed so hard. Like I literally thought I was going to be on Saturday Night Live like the next week. Like I was like, <laughs> after oh, they no stopping me. Oh. You're like, there's definitely a talent agent at this laundromat doing their. Oh, but this was worse laundry. than laundromat. This was, uh, it was called the. It was an open mic and there was literally folding chairs in a weird place that had like AA meetings. And it was it was like the bottom of the bottom of this little open mic ring. And it was called the luggage store and it was on Market Street and there was prostitutes out front and you would go up and stuff. And it was like this. It was San Francisco in the late 90s. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I remember just being like a 25, 26 year old dude like. And stand up, it was before the internet or Twitter. Like, you just, like, you know, like, well, I found stand up, it was like uh, finding jazz. Like, it was like the coolest, like, underground scene and all these yeah. really smart, cool people like Doogie Horner you meet, you know, and uh, you'd vibe with and do shows with. It was amazing. I always liked San Francisco as a comedy town. I always loved the punchline. Um, oh, that's where I start. That's where I got my first check. I love the punchline. It was a great club. I can't tell you how much pot I've smoked outside of that club. <laughs> <laughs> like all the comics smoked herb there. And after the shows, uh, the Sunday night epic uh, showcase, if you're ever in San Francisco and you just want a general good night of comedy, every Sunday night at the good old punchline, they'll have 10 
of the best local comics sprinkled with a couple headliners that are laying around or in town and it's just rips uh go check that out shout out to the punchline san francisco last time i was there george wallace dropped in yeah someone who was like who's that guy and i was like it's george wallace what do you mean who is that guy jeez he has the best twitter game out there i really like his twitter it's surprisingly good oh it's the best man his twitter game makes me want to not do twitter it's so good <laughs> like rob people talk rob delaney all day and i'm like oh yeah yeah but that's all he's like george wallace i mean he rob delaney's funny and cool i've met him and he's nice i haven't seen him in years since he blew up from super twitter but george wallace dude that dude he's a uh legendary comedian everybody if you <laughs> If you want to follow, follow my Twitter at Rob Cantrell. Doogie, give it a shout. Doogie Horner. Doogie Horner at and but but definitely check out George Wallace's Twitter. He he he's killing it. Yeah, he's really funny. He's really funny. I'm trying to let go of social media. That dude shouldn't let go of social social media. The whole point of social media should just be to follow George Wallace. There should be one person on Twitter. It's yeah. him. Just you him. go on there. You see his tweets. It's always funny. It's always silly. It's always nonsense. Yeah, he's got the right attitude. He's got the right attitude. He just hits it just right. And then you get lost into Trump Q on world. And then you, you have a headache and your thumb hurts. But, uh, you, you know, George Wallace won't let you down when it comes to when it comes to comedy writing. He's up there like with, you know, Carl Reiner or like some of the or Mel Brooks, like in terms of comedy writing, like George Wallace, I think, is going to go down in the books. I like. I mean, you could say Jerry Seinfeld. I, I put him up against, you know, Jerry Seinfeld with jo- joke writing. Like, he's just so fucking good. Yeah. I don't know. I, I went on comedy nerd tangent there. <laughs> Sorry, Doogie. You're the first person to compare George Wallace to Mel Brooks, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I, I, I think Mel Brooks is amazing. And I love him as a director. I want to direct films. Uh, I think he has the right attitude and silly. Yeah, the PC world is maybe, you know, passed by on a, a lot of that stuff. But uh, but the, in terms of the acting, the shots, uh, the pacing, uh, just the heart of it, just being silly and for the sake of being silly, I'm just a huge fan of. Yeah, me too. Of you, and, and that's, uh, Doogie Horner, if you want to see silly for the sake of silly, check out all of Doogie Horner's books, especially Die Hard Christmas. But if you want to read and get real and also laugh and feel, check out This Might Hurt a Bit, uh, his new book uh, that is amazing. I want to, I'll read it. I'll check it out. I got your cat's book. It's one of my favorite books. I got it laying around here. But uh, I'm a big fan of your art. Thank you for doing the logo. Thank you for doing the podcast, Doogie. My pleasure, Rob. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. Talk to you. It was great to talk to you. I hope I didn't talk over you too much. I'm still. Oh, you didn't. I talked over you, if anything. No, no. I try to let people run. But uh, yeah, yeah, you know, we're all learning. And uh, and this this thing is as raw dog as it gets. And I appreciate you doing it, Doogie. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Rob. All right. Peace out, everybody. One love. Rock and roll. We're out. Did you ever eat at the Globe in San Francisco?